0: You are listening to Fireside Chats on Open Lines Radio. Follow Hannah on Instagram at Roadside Shaman. Follow Open Lines Radio on Instagram at Open Lines Radio. And be sure to check out Open Lines Radio online at www.openlinesradio.com. Uh, this, uh, this episode of Fireside Chats is, uh, it's pretty cool. This is, um, Hannah and some thoughts on election day it was recorded on election day. Um, and here we are several days later and it's interesting now to, uh, go back and hear how Hannah was feeling on that day. When, and, and I wonder how, what Hannah is feeling today <laughs> a couple of days later, uh, we, we can only imagine. All right. So check this out. I think this is a cool, um, moment in time. It's a uh, forever, um, frozen here for your listening pleasure enjoy
1: Good morning. It is um, the last day to make a choice in our political construct for this season. It's November 3rd. It's birthing day for me, usually. I spend a lot of time in my body, in contemplation having the echo of the birth experience of bringing my legacy into this uh, arid existence. Pulling them from our womb. From those stormy seas of discord that they were birthed through this is usually when i have that echo and now that echo is being generalized out into the public sphere um, via this electoral process it does feel a bit like um an intervention it does feel a bit like um I've lost the word for when they try to kickstart the birthing process, induction. There we go, induction. My birth was a bit of a fumbled induction. Not enough knowing about what my body needed to be supported. Truman appeared fine through the whole process. It's a bit tuckered out because it was long, over 30 hours of pushing to try to get him out before they finally just decided to cut me open and take him out. Um, He banged against the door so hard it swolled shut again. (laughs) Um, And so I'm in this very strange place of um, feeling internal, and so aware of everything external that's happening. And I can't care about it, I couldn't possibly. Because I'm so in my own uh, process that that is the wave that I'm surfing. Fully expect our legacy to be birthed and vital. Because it is. I have 15 years of evidence to prove that that's the case. Um, I have a child that walks freely, prepares their own food very often, helps clean up after others, is kind and gracious, um, uh, looks after living beings and even inanimate objects. This person actually apologizes to inanimate objects if they fall over uh you know get dropped spill whatever oh s- sorry sorry cup you fell down oh oh sorry blanket here you go put you back put you back on the chair blanket oops sorry this is a gracious being this is a gracious being that's moving through our universe um so I do believe that grace is our legacy We're so chock full of grace. It poured out through us and birthed a being that is grace incarnate. The ultimate in uh, forgiveness is that person. They have forgiven so much of humanity for the indiscretions lodged against them. They're my model for grace and forgiveness because they forgive everyone everything all the time so many things that really don't warrant their forgiveness and yet they graciously offer it so our children teach us way more than we teach them that's the lesson my child taught me that it was important to stick around that it was important to keep breathing, that it was important to have a few more laps. The process of carrying him into reality (laughs) put a spark of life and survival into me, because I had a legacy now. I didn't um, truthfully trust anyone else around me to watch over that child in the way that it, that it needed to be watched. And I don't know if that's because I needed better watching when I was growing up and so I just knew kids need better watching than they get generally in our culture. But part of me feels like I just knew there wasn't really another human on earth other than his other you know, founder, his the other half of his code, his father. Um, there wasn't really anyone here who could have possibly translated his experience to make to, to just to make the world be okay, an okay place for him, and to make him feel okay with being in the world. Um. We've always included him. We've always carried him with us. We've taken him everywhere we've needed to go. Um, That has just been our way. And even when he was quite young, because I don't know if other people are aware of this, but when you have a kid like ours, very often you get um, oversight from the... supervisory forces in our society. Um, You know, the point of the spear of the carceral system that is our society. Our society is built on incarceration and coercion chiefly. That is the primary anchor of our society. Unfortunately, it's so sad that those are the anchors You know, it's sad. It makes me deeply sad that our cultural community is based chiefly on the ideas of control and coercion and power dynamic. There is not a lot of reciprocity in our system. There is some transactional energy, but there is no reciprocity. There is no understanding of grace in offering from abundance to those that are experiencing lack. So we were enfolded in that system from Truman's very, very earliest formative years. We're talking age three, he was already getting different kinds of assessments and evaluations from people who had never met him, people who had never spent more than five minutes with him. And they were telling us all these things about our child in very powerful language. And even with the grounding and education that we had, um, the word autism was a boogeyman. It was an unfamiliar word that we were only exposed to via, you know, media representations that were deeply inaccurate and stereotypical and not really reflective of what autism is and can be and and should be, I guess, for lack of a better word. The models we had were ones of shame and hiding and <clears throat> desecration, injury, horror. Um, an attempt at community that ended in um, the resigned allowance of the incarceration you know, oh, it's so sad that they can't be out here with us. Oh, it's so sad. It's safer for them in there. Oh, it's so sad. I wish they could be out here with us, but they clearly can't be. They're so much happier locked up in their little padded cell, aren't they? They seem like they are. I don't really know what happy looks look, looks like for them, but I know I'm happier with them in there. So let's just leave them in there because for collective happiness, we're all happier if they're in there. And we can't really tell if they're happy or not. So we're just going to presume that they feel like us and that they're happier in there with us out here and them in there. And that's what we do to people that don't quite fit in to the expectations of society who cannot comply, who cannot conform, who cannot produce, who cannot be quote, productive members of society, whatever that means for the people that are adjudicating what our society needs you know, what our society needs to produce and to generate. So I don't even know why I felt like I needed to talk about this, but it basically has to do with the frustration over, um, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. Well, I need about 10,000 to try to fill in the blank on the image I can't seem to find from the internet. Normally the internet's very helpful to me to find images. And in this case, there's a lot of words and language talking about what I want to describe and not very many effective images. Most of the images I'm finding are, again, antiquated, referencing um, antiquity. That That's the best way to put it. They don't look like modern us. They don't look like how we do things now or what we would choose to do now. Even though I know we are, there are people that are choosing to do this. And then there are people who are, um, engaging with their world in these ways but I just haven't been able to find any photos of it why because you can't sell it really it's not part of Amazon's suite of products available with two-day shipping um, it's just it's a societal thing that can't reasonably be marketed they haven't found a way to market it because it's counter to the system is the basic gist of it So. I'm speaking in generalities, but I'll try to get more specific so maybe people can like get on the same page with me, hopefully. I'm speaking about infant care. I'm speaking about the physical ways that we interact with babies, children, toddlers, and how we treat them when they do not have their own autonomy, sovereignty, mobility, versus how certain other cultures treat their developing humans. And I was just struck all of a sudden with the realization that we begin coaching our humans to be comfortable in various radii of um, incarceration of supervisory incarceration to be trapped in a small space that we've deemed as a safe you know accessible environment for them that is away and reserved from the broader activity of the world they are not included they are set aside they are set apart. They are locked away and locked up, and that is chiefly how modern infant care is done in Western culture—in America, Canada, Europe. You know, by and large, from what I've seen from parenting advice and from products that are for sale for managing children and in, in you know keeping them safe, and et cetera. They all look like tiny little cages. They look like dog crates, dog kennels. Um, they look like stuff that you put out to keep your puppies safe in the yard. They're bars and they may be, you know, pastel pink or vi- vibrant primary colors. You know, they may be short and they might have wide gaps, but they're bars nonetheless. They're cages. And so we set out these little cages. Proximate to the activity, maybe within sight, maybe within earshot, but not in the activity, not really participating, not included. We set them apart and leave them to their own devices and hope they keep themselves occupied and hope that they somehow become better humans in that state of isolation and incarceration. And we condition them to develop themselves to soothe themselves within that construct. That's what a a baby in America experiences. They learn you're in a box. This is how big it is. This is how much power you have. You have power in the box and not outside of it. And, you know, you're safe in the box and not outside of it. And um, the food's in the box and not outside of it. And um, the angry adults that are irritated with you for getting into shit they're all outside the box inside the box they don't really care what you get up to right stay in the box nobody watches you get out of the box everybody watches you stay in the box nobody notices you get out of the box everyone cares exactly what you're doing all the time that's the shift that's the difference in how we interact with our children and you know, I'm sure most people, if they've raised children or cared for young children, they would go, well, what would you have us do then? Surely we cannot have them, you know, sticking forks into light sockets. Surely we cannot have them, you know, choking on small objects. Well, the, the answer is inclusion, darlings. Baby wearing, cradle boards, putting, put, excuse me, golly, Moses. That word was important, I guess. Cradle mm-hmm. Cradleboards that hold the child in a safe way and yet within the activity, right there, eye level with us, looking at what's going on, paying attention, the work still happens, the rest still happens, the food prep, the joking, the stories, the dancing, the music, you know, the harvesting, the gathering, the walking, the hunting, the sleeping, all of it is happening and the child is there in all of it. They're not set in a box somewhere away from it. They're not hidden outside of the rest of society. All of society looks at the preciousness and the delicacy and the fragility of that child, and they're there with them in the activity. And their activities become more gracious and more soothing because all the spaces are built for the comfort of both the aged, the infirm, and the young. That's what it means to live in a community when you have grace for the variance and you're not isolated into little pockets built on function, built on capacity. Because the truth of, the truth is none of us has all of our capacities all of the time and none of us functions optimally all of the time. So I was looking for an image that would show the freedom of the usage of the cradle board, but people aren't taking pictures of that shit. They're just living their life. They're just being awesome. And they don't feel the need to document it the way that Jeff Bezos does because they're not selling it. They're living it. They're not commodifying it. They're utilizing it. So they're buying it. They're building it. They're selling it to the people that want it and need it. They have their own internal economy to create these items and to support these systems, but it is not tapped in to the fucking algorithm on Amazon, on Google Images, on Wikipedia, on Pinterest, on any of the internet um, algorithmic information sorting options that I have to get a glimpse into the interiority of human life and and human choices. It's just not there. You have to dig and scrape through, you know, eight layers of variable keywords to find anything close to an image that might be usable. And it's not the image because it's not 10,000 words worth of power in one image because you cannot really capture all the value of indigenous ways in a still photo, or even in a movie, even in a short film. We are talking about generations of lived practices and what they do for the human and the environment around the human. And that can't be captured in pixels, in 2D. It it can't be. And maybe that's why so many indigenous people Um, traditionally did shy away from having their images and their activities captured on film. It's because they knew that it couldn't help but be a false representation. You can't bring all of what's there into that flat little um, extrapolation. It doesn't work that way. So I don't know. I just I guess the reason why I wanted to speak about this is because I want to remember and capture this realization that we are all coached conditioned programmed trained to be comfortable and to thrive as much as we're able within a carceral system with you know while well incarcerated coerced that is what modern society has taught humans is um Survivable is what survival is, this safe incarceration. And so to get truly wild again and to break out of that incarceration, to be noncompliant, to refuse to produce. There just is no healthy model for societal support for an individual who won't fit in with that Model. And so it's all about the difference between a toddler in a, a playpen, you know, a barred, walled box of various sh- size or shape, and a toddler that is tied lovingly and securely into a cradle board, worn on a loving member of their family or community. Or placed safely in the direct location of the activity. And I mean, like within hands reach, not, you know, at the other end of the room where they can't see or hear what's going on. They're in it, they're of it. They are learning from the very beginning. They're hearing the sounds so that if they're to, you know, crack open certain nuts. They will hear all the noises of, like, oh, that's a ripe one, that's an unripe one. They'll get thousands of iterations of demonstration, of observation before their motor planning system is actually compelled to interact with it. Most indigenous um, cradle board users, apparently, will have their child in the cradle board for most of their first two years. So, That doesn't mean they spend all their time tied up. Of course, they get up, walk around, I mean, roll around, toddle around, you know, have tummy time, do whatever they need to do to get mobility, but they spend more time in the safe, womb-like, close proximity of the human. They don't feel the isolation. They get to co-regulate. They get to feel the emotions and patterns of the people around them. They get to maybe smell the foods before they have to put them into their mouth. So maybe they're less resistant to trying new foods because they've had at least a chance to sample them all from certain sensory pathways before they're confronted with, and now you have to put this in your mouth, right? So I'm just saying there is a wisdom in this way of inclusion. This way of bringing the old and the young, the vital and the infirm all together to accomplish, to produce, to be, to just live. Everyone learns more in that environment. Everyone accomplishes more in that environment. So that's all I'm trying to say is pay attention to how much time You spend soothing yourself in your state of incarceration and coercion and how much time you spend exploring your freedom brazenly and being that brave little toddler that crawled out of their playpen when their mom wasn't looking. And all of a sudden, they're up on top of the high tall cabinet. The mom can't even reach them. They don't know how to get them down. How in the hell did you even get up there, you little primate, you? And they're just happy as a clam. Because they're not afraid, and they don't know about gravity yet, which is why they're tied in the board. Okay? This is the difference. We teach them where they can move through society safely, and they watch, and they learn. Better than being trapped and escaping, don't you think? Better than being trapped and escaping. That's all we ever are, trapped and escaping, all through school. You're in it until you get out. You know, school's out for summer, seeing a That's not a word. Seeing a There's a, there's a bell that rings at the end of the day, tick tock. Do you remember watching that big analog clock? Did you guys have big analog clocks? The big round thing felt like the second hand always ticked too slowly. But then you realized, Oh, it only ticks really slowly from about. 45 seconds onward when it's fighting the gravity of the weight of its long skinny arm. And then when it gets to midnight and starts ticking back down, one, two, three, it speeds up again. So all of a sudden seconds are faster than one second, right? But it still just takes a minute to go all the way around the clock. But man, those last 15 seconds of the school day, didn't they just feel like four minutes long? You were just sitting there counting every single one. thung Kathunk. 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 Until what? Your freedom. Until the bell rang and you were loosed to your own devices and outside of supervisory discretion. So that's the lesson. Be free. See how much you're trapping other people with your supervision and your incarceration. And realize that we are all training ourselves and our children to be comfortable and to thrive incarcerated. That's what our society teaches us as humans. To be comfortable with incarceration. To be comfortable with being trapped, boxed, caged, jailed. And maybe that's why we aren't so fussed about children in cages because we go, well, that's where they belong, right? We don't want them getting into stuff like America. The children are in cages. All of them. And we got to get them out, man. Because we are animals breathing, yes, but our Freedom cries out for sovereignty. And I mean, I'm of the type that believe no animals should be in cages, you know, personally. And humans are animals, so maybe we shouldn't put them in cages either. Uh, Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. So, incarceration... Supervision, safety, security, how much control you want to push onto another to try to, you know, soothe your own feelings of insecurity. We put the baby in the playpen so we feel better, not so they do. So we can have a break and not freak out about them dying for five seconds. So we can go pee or take a shit. Like we put them in the playpen and they yell and holler because they know they don't want to be in there. But like we just want to go to the bathroom. Well, if I had a cradle board, I would have just carried it in there with me. And he could have stared at me while I was like contemplating my situation in life. (laughs) He could have listened to me sing to myself in the shower, you know. That was sometimes the hardest 20 minutes of my day was when I was like, look, I have to go to the bathroom or I have to take a shower, you know? Like, and you just got to set them down and they're just going to cry and you're just going to hear it while you just get through it. And then you just walk over to them and they are still just as mad at you because they have no realization of the necessity of the isolation. All they know is all of a sudden they're alone and no one is with them and no one is caring for them. And this is a box and I'm in it and you say I'm safe, but I don't know that I am, not yet. So why am I trapped in it? And they learn to self-soothe and depending on how long you're gone, they might actually achieve a state of quietude, but usually you come back and they're squaloring just as loud as when you left them. So I don't know, I don't really know what all of this means, except that I'm going to try to do a lot less supervision and incarceration of myself and others going forward as much as possible. I'm going to try to remind myself of my own comfort with incarceration, my own conditioning to be comfortable with incarceration, so that I can find the edges of my own box and learn where, when, and how it's safe to climb out. Um, That's really what I feel like this message was about. It wasn't so much about, oh my gosh, stop putting the babies in the boxes. It was more about realizing all the adults in America have been conditioned to be comfortable with varying degrees of incarceration. And I'm super not. So I'm... Learning to find and describe and define exactly the ways in which I and others are being coerced and incarcerated and supervised. Because at least if I know where the edges are, I can start pecking away at them. I can slap up a few posters and start digging a hole at a loose rock. I could be like Andy Dufresne I can choose my night, choose my storm choose my shoes and crawl my ass out through a tunnel of shit to freedom and glory and ease and grace and community. Because you cannot build community when you're incarcerated. The pressure builds too much competition and there's no grace in competition. There just isn't. That's why they give out good sportsmanship awards, you know? It's because you're expected to fight dirty, to fight hard, to fight like war when you're sporting, when you are in athletic competition. And so grace doesn't exist in a competitive environment. And so when someone through Herculean divine interventive powers, brings a modicum of grace into that horror of competitive energy, well, it stands out. It gets noticed. It gets lauded and applauded. But the lauding and the applauding is almost another way to say, this is special, which means it's not going to be happening a lot around here. Like, they get an award, but if y'all start doing this, no one's gonna notice it. It's just gonna be like when we do good game, 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 good game. You've seen that ritual. You've been in that ritual where you, you know, blandly slap some part of your anatomy at the member of the other team and Mutter those words, good game, good game. That's what it looks like when grace gets generalized into a competitive system. Good game, good game, good game, good game. That's not grace. That's perfunctory ritual. That's compliance with standard of norms. Good game, good game, good game is not grace. Good game, good game, good game, good game is compliance. Social modeling. Monkey see, monkey do. You get nice cookie, I say good game. Oh, I get nice cookie, I say good game. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, orange slice for me. Thank you. Good game, good game, good game, good game. Monkey see, monkey do. So it's not grace. When we're polite to one another, it's based off of peer modeling and standards and expectations of norms. And what's happening right now is all of those things are disappearing because we've run out of orange slices and cookies to give everyone. So all that's left is competition. There is no more grace. There is gnashing of teeth and wailing and honking of horns and trying to crash into campaign buses. All that's left is competition. There isn't any grace left unless we somehow, through accessing, you know, systems outside society, we can pour some of that grace into the system because there is no grace in society. There is no grace in competitive energy. And unfortunately, our society is built on competition instead of cooperation. And that is a very big difference indeed. To build a society based off of competition instead of cooperation well, Marco. You get what you ask for, I guess. You want it to be best. Well, that means competition. You want to be good. That means cooperation. Best is competition. Good is cooperation. So fuck Melania for telling us to be best. Fuck Melania for telling us to be best. I'd rather we all be good together than any of us choose which one of us is best or which way of our individual being is better than another. Be good. Fuck best. Perfect is nice. Done is better. I've had that mantra since before I even started using mantras. Perfect is nice. Done is better. So if the goal is completion, production, getting things accomplished, then done is better. And the expectation of perfection is what crushes us, stops us, holds us back, ties us down, incarcerates us. So stop trying to be best. Stop trying to get better. Just go out there and be good. Because it's all good. It's all good. It's all good, y'all. All All of all of it is all good. So don't be best. Don't be better. Don't try to, you know, win. Your victory is assured. You don't need to fight for victory. Victory is assured. So go do good. Don't worry about being best. Do good. And bring your grace into any space where you see compliance, supervisory energies, incarceral energies, judgments, ridicule, criticism, sorting of any kind. Bring your grace in to welcome, include, allow, Bring your grace into those areas where you know where the edges of the boxes are. Help unpack them. Help knock them over. Help squeeze through the cracks that you know are there. If you see someone in a box, show them that they're in the box. Don't push them out of it or take them out of it without knowing why they're in there. But show them and ask them, would you like to get out of the box? I think I know a helpful way. Maybe they'll help get themselves out of the box. But we're far too conditioned for comfort in in our incarceration and to really be okay with someone coming in and just blowing up the box and dumping us out onto the floor. That's a bunch of squalling babies. That's a bunch of people who go, what is this? What is this? Where am I? That's the seven days war. That's all of us dumped out in the box, scattering out on the street, yelling at each other, fighting over juice boxes and Play-Doh. Oh, Lordy. All I can say is, I'm hopeful that um, the Americans that have the guns get shot and killed very, very, very quickly by all of the Americans who never had any guns before and don't know what to do with them. And they're too scared to use them. So they use them once to get themselves, you know, out of whatever situation they were in, you know, and then they just set the gun aside and put it away for a while where it's not needed. That's what I think would be great. That could be our seven days war. It's just a bunch of bumblefuck yahoos who think they're going to take over the world and realize, oh, I haven't spent any time training for this. I just listened to Joe Rogan talk about MMA. I didn't actually do any mixed martial arts. I just listened to all those commercials for, you know, ketone supplements. I didn't actually work on fasting and getting my body conditioned with eating my own uh, um, uh, self for fuel. I just listened to it. I'm really leaning on the fact that most of everybody who's into that shit is just another fucking lazy American who didn't do anything about it. They're just doing their programming, going to their job, filling out their time card, you know, going home. They're not really becoming revolutionaries. They're not really organizing into militias. I just don't believe that's true. I know too many Americans. And okay, okay, you could say, oh, you're soft, you're Californian. Fuck you, fuck you. Come be here in August, tell me how soft it is to live in California. Psh. Pshaw, I say. California is just as hard as it is other places in America. It's expensive to live here. It's expensive to live in this weather. So don't tell me I have it soft with your Minnesota winter. Come and try my California summer. Anyways, the point is, Americans are comfortable with their comforts and they're comfortable with their incarceration. They're comfortable with consolidation of power and submitting their personal sovereignty to an external authority. That's Jesus. That's the church. That's God. That's daddy God. That's you fix it, Mr. President. You make it nice, nice. Most Americans are conditioned to believe that's reality. So I'm just going to rest in the awareness that most of everybody who's really, really fucking butt hurt about this or upset will not have the capacity to do anything really truthfully destructive about it. They may squalor and cry, but they're in their boxes. And they don't even know where the edge is. So I'm not worried. Some people are worried. I'm not. Because again, it's the seven days war. Like, how much can go bad in a week? Okay, 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 okay. I know a lot. A lot could go bad. Like, your life could end. Mine could anybody's could your life could end tomorrow or today or in the next moment from an aneurysm. That is not the point here. The point is seven days of war is better than seven months. Could we all agree on that? Let's agree. We've just lived through seven months of pandemic bullshit and that feels like a pretty fucking long time, doesn't it? So what would you rather have? Would you rather have a week of shutdown while we retool and figure out what you know what's happening around here and then shut down the discord? and start our new country? Or do you want a big, long season of disillusionment where we just tear it all down and like, hello, 100-year plan. Welcome, China. Did you start studying Mandarin yet? I hope so. Ni hao, motherfuckers. Ni hao. Okay? So that's your choice. You can either be resigned to the fact that Our country is bullshit and the rest of the world is about to squish it like a bug and you're about to take about 20 steps down the totem pole on the global standard of living. That's column A. Column B is we shake this flea off our dog dog's back, metaphorically speaking, and start biting again and start acting like the big global superpower that we have all been trained to believe we are. We're not that big. We just have our fingers in a lot of pies. But if somebody, you know, cuts off fingers, well, we just have to go home and nurse our wounds and get better to do good, to learn to cooperate. Because this whole competing nation to nation, person to person, being to being, it's over. Symbiosis from here on out, unity, unification. That's all that's left, people. Because the animals get it. They live in grace and reciprocity and energetic balance with one another. What about predators? Fuck you. They eat. So do we. I don't eat that much meat. Neither do cows. But every once in a while when they're chomping up the grass, there's a little lizard in there. And, you know, I have feelings about grasses' feelings and mushrooms' feelings. They, they all feel the disillusionment and the desecration, the beginning and the end. They feel their life force welling up and expressing outward, and they feel it withering away and dying. They, they feel that. They're aware of that. They're not machines, right? They just exist. And so they have their kind of consciousness and their kind of awareness for their existence. It's on their time scale, in their observational bubble, just as we all do. And there's nothing, quote, better or best about our perspective relative to, you know, the microbe or the mushroom or the mammal. We are mammal. So is seal society less evolved than coral? Is cedar society more evolved than silica, coal, carbon? These are all organizations. These are all energies that are aligned with rules and obligations and patterns. And we are in the same pattern with them. We try to break it. We try to deny it. And we call it something different than what it is. But the truth is we are in symbiosis. And if you don't believe that, you just ask the average human walking down the street How scary they think coronavirus is. How terrified are they of that invisible microbe? How much have they changed their entire life pattern built totally on the understanding or their perceived understanding of what that being is in relationship to them? They're afraid of it to even meet it because they don't know yet what it will do with them. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just an acknowledgement that the earth has power and it will squeeze us off if we don't learn to live graciously. Like everybody said, you're destroying the planet. plants planet's going to be fine, people. We will not be here. The planet, the sun, lots of other species that can live in weird environments that we can't. It's all going to keep going. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be rad, super after party. We are not invited to the after party. When Gaia kicks us off the planet, we're not invited. But if we want to stay on the planet, we have to learn to live in the pattern of the planet. We have to live in relational grace and balance with everyone that indwells this radius this circle this space this environment and as we starting to like eject ourselves from this planet and encroach outside of our box and reach out into other areas then we need to have that same energy of stewardship with our asteroids and other celestial bodies that we're trying to basically consume so it's it's an adjustment and it's an awareness. And it's just, it's just that, it's an adjustment and it's an awareness. That's all. So, gosh, I cannot believe that I have been yakking into this device for almost an hour. That's incredible. But it did feel like an important thing to notate is just our comfort with incarceration And how we can sort of help one another achieve freedom and sovereignty, truly. And you do not achieve freedom and sovereignty by incarcerating, oppressing, supervising, controlling anyone or anything else. It just doesn't work that way. The jailer is is incarcerated along with the prisoner. They're both trapped there watching the box. Schrodinger's prisoner the prisoner is only incarcerated if the jailer watches them so the act of incarcerating and supervising traps both individuals within the radius of the box so get out of the box burn the box move freely bear one another where you cannot bring yourself to go you know, lean upon one another, sling each other over your shoulders, you know, be like Lazarus's friends, put, put them on a bed and carry them to their healing. But get out of the box. And if you are nervous about this particular season that we're in, just remember Americans are fucking lazy and their attention span is for Shit. And even if they get super fucking pissed about something and go and yell, it'll probably be one and done. And then they'll all go hide in their box again. And the consolidated powers will negotiate and some sort of ease will creep back into our system and you'll be able to, you know, find new rules for your new boxes and get comfortable again. But we could escape the box and live in a new world too. Shh, don't tell anybody. Shh, don't tell anybody. We could also escape the box. Like leave it so far behind us in our rear view that we don't even remember what direction it was. Right? We escape it. And we just live free. In everything that isn't the box. That's a lot of everything. That's a lot, so don't be scared. Breathe your peace. Be your peace. Be additional peace and grace for everyone around you and everything around you. There's going to be a crying out for grace and peace that will be needed. So, store up some extra. It's like Sabbath mana collecting. You can ca- you can collect extra this time. You can gather extra cuz we know you're gonna need it tomorrow cuz nothing is gonna fall down. So, glean now. Glean from the abundance. There's twice as much on the ground right now, so pick it up, stuff it in your pocket. You'll need trail mix for tomorrow. Stuff that mana in your pockets. Okay? It's your grace. Gather up as much grace as you possibly can for the express intent purpose to pour it out side of your radius, to offer it because you can get more grace where that came from. You know where you got it. You can go get it. There are creatures out there who don't even know where to get grace, not even the first time. So you keep extra on hand to pour on those poor, sad, you know, dehydrated humans that have no grace. Just sprinkle that shit. Sprinkle it like fertilizer. Pour it on everything. Okay? You go get yourself some grace and you pour it on everything else. That's how we get out of the box. That's how we live free. That's how we move forward. I think that's it. I'm going to have to call it because I'm sore and... I've been sitting too still because talking and recording. And that's a long time to do those things. But who knows? Maybe it was important. I'll play it back and listen and realize what I said because for my type of verbal processing, sometimes I don't even know what I think until I hear it coming back into my own ears. Like I speak it and then I realize it. That's a weird feeling to speak something And then realize that you actually believe it. That's how my verbal processing works. My verbal processing works so fast that the auditory processing takes a while to catch up and go, oh yeah, you totally believe that, dude. Whoa. And then you blow your own mind. It happens a lot. So yeah, I'm going to play this back and blow my own mind. (laughs) Ah, oh, gosh. There is great love for everyone, everywhere. But especially for all of you from me right here. I will say, Chukma, Chupisalacho, which means, Hello, I will see you. For we Chickasaw have no word for goodbye. And I will say, Chihololi, 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 Chihololi. Which means, I love you. Like you love me, for reciprocity is reality. Cheeholily.
2: That's great. It starts with an earthquake. Birds, snakes, so and aeroplane. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I am a hurricane. Listen to yourself, John Wilde. So song needs dummy. Stummies, something on me. Beat it up and I speak, run. Such a clatter with gear, right down high, wire in a fire representing seven days. Government for hire and a combat site. Left to west, Weston coming in a with the fury spinning down your neck. Team ID requires battle, turn, tether, crop. Look at that low plan. Climb that. Yeah. Uh-oh, overflow. Population common. Luminate, introduce. Save yourself, serve yourself. Well, I'm such a Tell me with the rapture and the reverend and the right, right you patriotic, patriotic slam book Feeling pretty sight. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world. For a tower, slice of burn, turn, listen to yourself, turn, you. You a like it in, uniform, but button, burn it, fly, everybody bustling, out of water, scenery, light a candle, light up butter a step down, step down, watch your heel cross, cross, uh-oh, this means no fear, calendar, here tear gates, dear, clear, tournament, tournament, tournament of lies. offer me solutions, offer me alternatives, and I decline, it's the end of the world, i it's the end of the world. Put it down your T shirt, tell it patriotic slam, now, Right. It's the end of the world.